Fifty, okay. <laughs> like to welcome y'all here this morning. If you would open your Bibles to the book of Romans, chapter three. We'll be looking at verse eighteen. Romans three eighteen. <clears throat> now when you think of all the things that ails humanity, whether it's wickedness, famine, disease, war, even death, all the things that ails humanity, they all stem from sin. I mean, think about all the things that we see going on in the world today. Wickedness, famine, war, death. All of these things come from sin. And the Bible tells us that we have all sinned. It tells us in the book of Romans, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've all sinned and we continue to sin. Sin is a fact of human existence. It doesn't matter if you are saved or you are lost, you're going to sin. As long as we are here on this planet, we are going to sin, and we are capable of committing any sin that you can think of. Saved or lost, we're capable of committing any sin that comes to mind. Augustine of Hippo once wrote, We are capable of every sin that we have seen our neighbor commit unless, unless God's grace restrains us. We have to rely on the Holy Spirit to help us through our daily walk. And today, what we're going to look at, we're going to look at sin... We're going to look at what sin causes in the world, and then we will look at how we can overcome sin. Again, open your Bibles to Romans chapter 3, verse 18. Romans 3.18, it's written, The fear of God is not before their eyes. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our most gracious and loving Father, Lord, as we come before, just ask your blessings upon the reading of your word. Lord, just be with us today as we worship together. Just give us an insight and understanding into your word and help us just to take what we learn today and apply it into our daily walk. And again, Lord, I just thank you for this day, just a beautiful day where we could come and just worship today and fellowship. And Lord, I just pray that you would be with us that you would overshadow us with your love and watch care. And again, Lord, we lift up those that could not make it today, those that may be sick and shut in, those that may be traveling, those that have lost loved ones. We just lift each one up to you, Lord, and just ask your blessings upon each one. And again, Lord, I just pray that you would be with me today and give me the words to say and just bind down Satan and let him have no part of this service. We just ask this in your son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, if you were to look back 
in chapter 3 at verses 10 through 17. What Paul starts to talk about is he starts to talk about the things that sin does to an individual, how sin affects an individual. And if you look at the, the breakup of these verses, what he pretty much talks about is how sin affects the mind, then how it affects the mouth, moving from the mind to the mouth, and then how it affects our actions. That's what he talks about here. Look at verses 10 through, through 12. He says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. Affects the mind. There is none that seeketh God. They have gone out of their way. They have been made altogether unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. So what Paul writes here is that there is none righteous. There's none that seeks God. There's none that understands. We don't understand the things of God because of sin. Again, if you were to look at sin and how sin affects the individual and how we are under the bondage of sin without Jesus Christ, what you will see is that if you were given a choice between what you want to do and what God wants you to do, or you're given the choice of the things of God or the things of man, we're always going to choose the things of man. We're never going to choose on our own the things of God because of the bondage of sin. It affects our understanding. We lose understanding. And then we go out of our way to sin. We like to sin. Humans like to sin. And because of sin, and because we are born, when we are born, we are in a state of being lost. And when we reach the age of accountability, we become spiritually dead. But because of sin and the imputation of sin, we are unprofitable to God. We will not do the things God wants us to do without Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So we're unprofitable to God in the state of sin. It affects our mind. It affects the thing, how we understand the things of God. Because as Paul writes in Ephesians, our understanding is darkened because of sin. But it doesn't stop at the mind. It also goes into the things we say. Look at what Paul writes in verse 13 and 14. He says, their throat is an open sepulcher, a grave. It's a grave. They have used their tongues to deceit. We lie. The poison of asps is under their lips. We say hateful things. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. We don't say anything good when we're lost. Remember what the Bible tells us. We might do good things when we're lost. We might can say good things when we're lost or do good works when we're lost. But our righteousness is like a filthy rag. So it affects our mind. It affects our mouth. 
and then it affects our actions. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and calamity are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. Sin makes us destructive, wicked, evil. And our actions are evil when we're under the bondage of sin. And this is why. This is the whole key to why sin affects us the way it does. He says the fear of God is not before their eyes. When you are in a state of sin, when you are lost, there is no fear of God, no reverential fear of God before your eyes because you don't care that God is upset. You don't regard God when you're lost. That's what sin does to us. And all we need to do is look around at the world today and what do we see? We see sin affecting the the mind, the mouth, and the actions of people who are lost. All around the world. And what Christians need to do is take the blinders off. The world's not getting any better. We can see that. Take the blinders off and look around. The world's getting worse. Why? Because people do not fear God. There is no fear of God in the world. And what we see is the result of sin. All we see in the world is the result of sin. Everything we see taking place, from war to robbery, violence, murder, lying, just general moral decay, general wickedness in the world, disease, famine, everything that we see going on in the world is the result of sin. And it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden and were kicked out of the garden, what did God do? He cursed the earth because of man's sin. And we see the result of sin with that first family. Look at what Cain did after they were cast out of the Garden of Eden. After Cain and Abel were were born, what did Cain do one day? He murdered his brother. That's the result of sin. Yet, look at what God tells Cain before his murderous act. Look over at Genesis chapter 4. Look at verse 7. Now, just to give you a backstory, starting with verse 3, what you see is, is that Cain and Abel were giving offerings to God. Cain just offers some of the vegetables he had grown in the garden. Abel offers the first fruits of his flock, the best of his flock. God regards Abel's sacrifice, but he does not regard Cain's sacrifice, and Cain gets mad. 
And look at what God tells him. He says, you know, why is your countenance fallen? Why are you wroth at this? Why are you mad at this? But then look at what he says. He tells Cain that sin lies at the door. It lies at the door. Basically, lying there like an animal ready to pounce. An animal ready to pounce, like a cat about ready to pounce on a mouse. That's what sin was doing. It was just lying there waiting on Cain. And what happens? Sin pounced on Cain. Cain fell into sin. And he murdered his brother. But sin still lies at the door. It's always there, ready to pounce on us when we fall to temptation. Saved or lost, it's there ready and waiting to pounce. And it's always there. And it pounces on everyone at some time or the other. Regardless of who you are, it will pounce at one time or the other. But then think about something. If you're a Christian and you start down the road to sin, you're tempted and you start to fall to that sin, what happens? It consumes you, doesn't it? You have to complete the sinful act, whatever it is. It utterly consumes you because it is pounds. That's what it does to us. Our whole being is consumed by the act. Why? Because once we start down the road to sin, once we fall to the temptation, we're under the control of sin. We let sin control us during these moments of failure. But then that goes back to what Paul writes here. When we let sin control us, what happens? There's no fear of God before us at that moment. Because we don't think about the reverential fear of God. We don't think about what God can do to us when we fall to sin. Because during that moment, we're utterly under the control of sin. That's why it's so harmful for Christians to fall to sin. That's why it harms our walk with God. That's why it grieves the Holy Spirit. Because once we fall to sin, we're no longer under the control of the Holy Spirit. We're under the control of sin. Just like that animal waiting to pounce. What happens when a cat pounces on a mouse? Who's in control of that situation, the cat or the mouse? The cat. The cat's in control. And the cat can do anything he wants to with the mouse. When it comes to sin, who's the cat and who's the mouse? We're the mouse. We're the mouse. I mean, look at Cain. Cain let sin consume him. And what happens? There was no fear of God before his eyes. He didn't regard God. You could see it with the sacrifice that he made. It was not up to the standard God had set. And then what happens? 
He murders his brother. There was no fear of God there. The fear did not come until after God punished him. That's when Cain feared after God's punishment. But think about something. If Cain had feared God, if he had regarded God, if he was not under the control of sin, he would have offered a sacrifice that was pleasing to God. And he would have been accepted. And then what would have happened? If he feared God, he would have never murdered his brother. But he let sin control him. He let sin consume him. I mean, take a look around the world. We see the effects of sin everywhere. And what are the effects of sin? Wickedness. Depravity. Disease. Famine. And death. Sin offers us nothing but sorrow. It offers us nothing but sorrow. Sin makes us depraved. Now what is depravity? It's moral corruption. That's all it is. It's moral corruption. It's wickedness. You can look around. Humanity is morally corrupt. They're wicked. And we see this in the ongoing depravity in the world. And if you look in Romans 3, verses 10 through 18, everything that is listed is wicked. It's depraved. Morally corrupt. And all the things that we see there show this general depravity that is in humanity. And then sin is responsible for all the disease and sickness that we see in the world. And you might be saying, well, what do you mean, Brother Jeff? How could that be possible? The earth is cursed. If God had not cursed the earth, do you think we would see disease and famine in the world? No. But in Genesis 3, 17 through 19, what we see is when Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, when God was punishing them, he said, cursed is the earth for your sake. He cursed it. And the result of that curse is everything that we see going on with the world today, whether it is famine, whether it is sickness, disease, all of that stems from the curse because it stems from sin. God cursed the earth because of sin. Our sin. The earth was cursed because of sin again. Sin offers nothing but sorrow. That's all sin offers us. Sorrow. It doesn't offer anything good. Yet people glory in sin. Why? Because there's no fear of God before their eyes. Or as the Bible says, they enjoy the 
the fruits of sin for a season. But then reality kicks in when they stand before God. But sin also gives us death. That's the result of sin. So we have depravity, we have disease, and then we have death. Physical and spiritual death. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death, and that's what what is going to happen. The, The punishment that was levied at sin was death. Spiritual and physical. One day we're all going to die if the Lord tarries. That punishment has never left us. But what about spiritual death? If we stay reprobate, we stay lost, we're going to suffer that wage, which is hell. Sin offers us nothing but sorrow. It offers us nothing but death, physical and spiritual. And spiritual death leads to hell. Again, sin offers us nothing but sorrow, depravity, disease, famine, a cursed earth, and death, physical and spiritual. So why then, Christian, knowing what we know about sin, why then do we continue to sin? Why do we continue down that path that leads us to a place where there is no reverential fear of God? Why do we continue down that path that leads to nothing but sorrow? Because that's all sin offers. Why? Do we do it? I mean, think about what happens when we sin. We show no fear of God. No reverential fear of God. When we sin, we show spiritual weakness. Now, what do I mean, spiritual weakness? You know, spiritual weakness, there's three causes of spiritual weakness. One is lack of prayer. Two is a lack of Bible study. You know what that is? That's not relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why we sin. We're spiritually weak. That's why the Christian falls into sin when we're tempted. We're spiritually weak because we do not turn to God and rely on the power that He gives us through the Holy Spirit. When we sin, we show spiritual weakness. Because think about something. What happens when we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior? The Holy Spirit comes into our heart, comes into our life, and dwells within us. I mean, think about it. When Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose on the third day and ascended back up into heaven, what was one of the things he said he was going to do other than prepare a place for us? 
He said he was going to send the Comforter. He said he was going to send the Holy Spirit. And when we receive the Holy Spirit into our life, we receive power through the Holy Spirit. That's how we overcome sin. Utilizing the power of the Holy Spirit. But when we do not utilize the power of the Holy Spirit, it makes us spiritually weak. There's three ways for spiritual weakness. Not praying, not reading the Bible, not utilizing the power of the Holy Spirit. And what happens when we're spiritually weak? We're going to succumb to temptation. We're going to fall into sin. So how do we overcome sin? How do we overcome temptation? How do we overcome spiritual weakness? There's one way. We rely on Jesus Christ. We rely on the power that he gives us through the Holy Spirit. But not utilizing the power of the Holy Spirit, not turning to God during our times of temptation makes us spiritually weak. It makes us succumb to sin. Because when we have no spiritual power, we have no power to overcome sin. Sin brings nothing but sorrow. Again, it brings nothing but sorrow. And when we sin, when we're overcome by sin, there's no fear of God before our eyes, and we tend to forget about God. Yet, we can overcome. And we overcome through Jesus Christ. We overcome by the power that Christ gives us through the Holy Spirit. And we must utilize that power. Turn to Christ and rely on Christ during those times. Because only through Christ can we overcome sin and the temptation to commit sin. Let's stand for prayer. Our most gracious and loving Father, Lord, as we come before you, just thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, for this time. And Lord, as we go into this time of invitation, I pray that you would be with us. Lord, again, if there's anyone here today that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, I pray that you would speak to their hearts. Just convict us, Lord, and just be with us. We just ask this in your Son's precious and holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen.